Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. We are extremely blessed today. I have uh, spent a few days with Brother Sanders, and we are going to spend many more days together uh, over the next two weeks. Brother Sanders is a great man of God. And we are going to be blessed by his ministry today. Uh, I knew Brother Sanders from being on the board at uh, headquarters in St. Louis. Now he is in Honolulu, Hawaii. Look at his shirt. Let him see your shirt there. Isn't that a great shirt? We're thinking of getting that as uniforms for church services. (laughs) But he's a great man of God. He's got a powerful anointing on his ministry. And I want you to welcome... Reverend Jonathan Sanders from Honolulu, Hawaii. God bless you, Brother Sanders. Let God use you. God bless you. Do you love Jesus? A whole lot or a little bit? Come on, a whole lot or a little bit? Would you clap your hands to him and show him how much you love him? It is good to be here with you, and I'm honored to be with your pastor and his family. Everybody needs a pastor. Do you believe that? Do you love your pastor and his family? Would you show them right now? What an atmosphere is in this place. Amen. And uh, I appreciate the worship. I have a great expectation of what God is going to do in this sanctuary on this day. Amen. And I am from Honolulu. Uh, The beautiful part of me is not here. But for there to be true beauty, there's got to be the contrast. And so I... You just got the opposite side of the contrast, the, the negative, amen. But my wife wishes she was here, my girls, and uh, they would sing, I want you to like me so I will not sing, amen. It's good to be with you. Uh, God bless you. Shake hands with two people and tell them I'm glad Brother Sanders is preaching today. <laughs> Appreciate that. I just needed to hear you say that. You may be seated. (laughs) Amen. Sister Sanders and I were on our way home from Hong Kong. And in 11 months in Hong Kong, we had over uh, 300 receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. And um, so my wife's family's from the big island of Hawaii and we thought we would just stop in Honolulu and visit some of her family. And, and um, so I was gonna take three days and just take a short little vacation and then go back to the mainland, visit family and then go back to our, 
next assignment overseas. And uh, uh, one morning within those three days, my pastor calls. Everybody needs a pastor. And my pastor calls and he says, Brother Jonathan. Now, this it's Brother Kilgore. And he says, Brother Jonathan, if you leave the islands, you're out of the will of God. And the next morning he calls me and he says, Brother Jonathan, I'm sending you $500 a month for you to start a church. He said, if you don't do it, I'm going to swim the ocean and do it myself. So I didn't want him to swim the ocean. So I did it. And I sent my wife and kids home and I didn't leave till my pastor said it was okay to leave. Everybody needs a pastor. Everybody needs a pastor. You need to thank God for your pastor and his family. And so we were just shortly into starting our work and, and uh, uh, we became houseless about a year and a half into it. We had awesome church and in the middle of all the awesome church, uh, we, we became houseless. My girls say, don't say homeless, say houseless because we had a home, we just didn't have a house to put it in. <laughs> and so... Uh, they carried backpacks and had a tub, a little half plastic tub each. And, and, uh, but we had church for a year and a half. And we moved over 35 times in that year and a half, just from this place to that place to this place to that place to this hotel room to that. And so I, I am blessed to have my wife and my children. They are awesome. To put up with that, amen. That's right. Go ahead and show my family appreciation. And so uh, I had told God that if, if I don't have an address for my girls to go to school, that it's, it's our sign that it's time for us to leave. And um, so my 10-year-old daughter, Alexis, our oldest girl, taught a Bible study to 11 or 12-year-old girl. She was Baptist. And that little girl, Crystal, received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in her bedroom. Hallelujah. She went down the steps speaking in other tongues to her mom and dad who came to church wondering what in the world was wrong with their daughter, and they received the Holy Ghost. They were property managers, and, and two days before school started, she opened a home next to their house, and we moved into that house two days before school started. Two weeks later, 35 received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Let me tell you, through every challenge you have, God's got something great on the other side. Do you believe that? You, Paul understood something when he said that I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. I love that verse because the resurrection simply means getting up again. That's awesome to me, just getting up again. Hallelujah. We all need to know him in the power of his resurrection. If you've been knocked down, you just need to know God in the power of getting up again. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. We need to know him in that. Hallelujah. Don't bitter yourself against getting knocked down. Just know him in the power of the getting up again. Amen. And then he says in the fellowship of his suffering, when he says fellowship of suffering, that word fellowship is koinonia, which we consider fellowship hanging out together, going out to eat together, that kind of thing. But what reality is koinonia, it comes from the, uh, uh, is where we get the word coin. Anybody have a coin in your pocket? What is a coin? It's a mode of exchange to attain something or acquire something that you do not have. So I take that coin and I purchase something greater than, than what I already possess. I'm looking, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I like to make, I like to get a good deal. You know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm thrifty. In fact, uh, I couldn't sleep last night, so I went to a grocery store. And, and I'm just look, walking through the, the, the grocery store. I should have bought everything in, in the supermarket. My goodness, I should have bought all the milk. Your milk is so cheap, my goodness. We pay eight to $10 a gallon for our milk. I'm looking for a cow. Anybody got one? I got a coin here. <laughs> Amen. But uh, it's, it's, a, it's a way in which this coin only is a way we obtain something greater or we're looking for something that we don't have, amen? And Paul said that I might know him in the fellowship or the koinonia of suffering, hallelujah. There's an exchange that takes place when you suffer with him. There's, you're purchasing something greater than what you had when you walked into the storm. You're gonna leave that storm with something greater than what you had when you walked into it. Praise God, hallelujah. And I believe God's, God gave us that experience. And so uh, the, don't feel sorry for us. Just, just praise God that we, we're experiencing revival in the islands. Amen? Hallelujah. God's doing awesome things in Honolulu. Amen. Amen. And I, I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Would you stand with me? Did anybody see that seven-foot boxer? That guy is huge. You imagine my little Filipino pastor baptizing a seven-foot boxer? That's pretty cool. <laughs> he sits down and he's still got to reach up to pick. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Hebrews, the 11th chapter. A very familiar portion of scripture. Um, but I want us to take a quick look at this. You ever felt like your faith, that you didn't have faith? Anyone besides me? Would you be honest with me? I ever felt like you didn't have faith? You ever felt like you didn't have enough faith? You ever felt like you didn't have good faith? I mean, there's something wrong with your faith? All right. So most of us are somewhere in that boat, amen? We all have that illness at some time, amen. And so um, you ever felt like your prayer wasn't good enough? You know, it's kind of, God, you know, you don't really know. We've been there. And so I, I want to talk to you today. And. And so let's take a look at this. Now faith is the, sub, verse one, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
For by it, the elders obtained a good report. And through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I ask you to bless your people. These are your sheep. I pray right now that faith will come by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. In Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. So what we've discovered in verse 6 is that all of us that raised our hand or agreed to the fact that we feel like we don't have faith, we, we oftentimes feel like we can't please him. And so because we don't have faith, we're walking around with this less than feeling that we're, there's no way I can please God. No matter how good you are, no matter how good you live, there's this constant feeling of I can't please him. Because without faith, it is impossible to please him. Amen. And so then we, 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 if we don't have enough faith, we just don't have what it takes, enough of it, or it's not good enough. We don't, it's not good. I, I'm not, my faith isn't good enough to please him. And so there's just always this downcast feeling, even though you may mask it with a smile, there's a, a downcast feeling of your insufficiency in the presence of God. Because we feel like our faith isn't good enough or we don't have enough or it's not. You understand what I'm saying? Sure, we, we, we've been there. And, and, and so what, what we have to understand, number one, is what is faith? And I, I, I had some experiences that, that challenged my faith. And, and, and I went through some challenging times that, that made me search out what really is faith. And so we usually go to Hebrews, the 11th chapter and verse one to try to describe faith. But in reality, 11, one of Hebrews is not a definition of faith. It is how faith operates. It's faith in action. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen, but it's not a definition of faith. And so I, I, I thought, I've got to discover this because I, I know what it's like to be intimidated by another person's faith. I know what it's like to be intimidated by another minister, another preacher's faith. You know, uh, my goodness, faith just falls off of them, you know. I mean, they got so much of it and they walk, it just slushes on everybody, you know. And, I, and, and I'm like, I, I don't have that. Uh, you know, you ever been with somebody who walks in the sanctuary, boom, they're speaking in other tongues. It's like, whoa, they're spiritual. And you feel intimidated by that. And so I, I had to get rid of the feeling of intimidation in me. I, and so today I want to remove kind of this mystery of what faith is because at times there, it's easy for preachers to, 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 to kind of withhold what faith is to keep it a mystery from people because it gives them power. I know that's not real popular. Nevertheless, 
when we feel that we don't have faith, it's because we don't truly understand what faith is. So what is faith? Thayer's says this about faith. It is the conviction. Everybody say conviction. The affirmation that God exists as creator and ruler of all. Isn't that cool? So let me ask you a question. Does God exist? Do you believe God is? Hallelujah. That is faith. Now, without faith, it's impossible to please him. God is so neat that he knew you and I would have to have faith to please him. So to every man, he has given the measure of faith. Hallelujah. Go ahead and clap your hands. He knew you had to have it in order to please him. So he gave it exactly. He gave you exactly what you needed in order to have the capacity to please God. So look at your neighbor and say, you have faith because God gave you faith. Isn't that awesome? Now, while I'm preaching today, faith is going to come to your heart. I believe it with all of my heart. It's not going to come like an airplane coming from heaven. It's going to begin to make itself known to you because it already resides in you. Isn't that awesome? You have to understand the Muslim has faith. It's misguided faith. It's misdirected faith. You know, stop and think about this for a second. I think that the womb of faith is your imagination. The womb of faith, or let's put it this way, the soil of faith is your imagination. It's where faith germinates. It's where faith comes to life. It's in your imagination. Say, are you sure? I'm positive. Anybody seen God lately? I hadn't either. You know what it takes to believe God is? An imagination. And it's by faith we know that the worlds were framed. Amen? Did, was anybody there? Did you watch God frame the world? No. What does it take in order to know that the worlds were framed? An imagination. That imagination is the womb of faith. The scripture says when, when he returns, will he find faith in the world? Because our world is trying to manipulate faith. If it can manipulate your mind and your thoughts, that's why we need to be careful what we see, what we hear, what we... Amen. You said what we say, absolutely, because the word of faith is nigh thee even in thy... Everybody say mouth. Look at your neighbor and say the word of faith is in your mouth. Hallelujah. And so why is the world teaching evolution in schools? Because it wants you to lose the conviction that God is with a question mark that is God. Because if it can get you to have the is God instead of God is, it will manipulate your faith. Because what is faith? It is the conviction that God is. So, 
Notice he says to every man is given the measure, not a measure. It is the measure. So you have been given the same measure that I have been given. And your pastor has been given the same measure that I have been given. If not, God obviously would prefer him over me and give him a whole bunch of faith and me just a little bit of faith. But instead, he has given to every man the measure. Exactly what you need to please him, you have. Not less, not more, but the measure of faith. Now, I mentioned that the Muslim have faith. Sister Sanders and I spent three years in the Middle East. And while I was there, I um, uh, would visit a particular vegetable stand. And uh, I would, when I first got there, we, we just learned to like the vegetable stand. And a, a boy by the name of Adel, he was a Muslim, uh, would gather our groceries or our vegetables and our fruit. And um, I don't speak or did not speak Arabic at that time. And he did not speak English at that time. And so, have you ever tried to act out a carrot? That's a difficult task. Sometimes you got what you wanted and sometimes you got what he thought you wanted. And you got to try a whole lot of different types of food that way. But um, uh, Adel asked me one day, he said, would you teach me? English. Now, he didn't say it like that, but it was, he convinced me that that's what he was trying to say. I'm not there in, in Jordan to teach English. I'm there to teach a Bible. Ah, in America, they used to teach English out of the Bible. So I invited Adel to my home. My wife fixed a nice little meal. We went into the living room and, and we sat down and I took an Arabic Bible and an English Bible side by side. And I turned to Genesis 1 in the English Bible. I knew enough about my Bible to know it's in the front of the book. <laughs> and they read backwards, so Genesis 1 had to be in the back of his book. So we, we find it in Arabic. I read it in English, and he reads creation in Arabic. And then I get up, and I act out creation. I beat on the floor. I shook a rubber tree that was in our living room. And I, I convinced him, in my mind, I convinced him that God created. And then it dawned on me. He thinks he believes in the God of Abraham, though he doesn't really. He believes in the moon God. But he does believe in creation. So how am I going to convince this guy who the creator is? Well, John is in the middle to the back of my book, so it had to be in the middle of the front of his. So I turn to John 1. And I read John 1 in English, and he reads John 1 in Arabic, and I feel so inadequate to teach him who Jesus is. There was no way I could express. How do you act out in the beginning was the word. The word was with God, the word was God. How do you act it out? And so I just, I just, I feel like there's no way. And so I stand to act out absolutely nothing. I didn't know what to do. I'm just standing thinking, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? And he jumps out of his chair and he grabs both of my four, forearms and he says, you love me. My religion, no love. You love me. 
tears running down his face. I give him the Bible and I, he, he, uh, he leaves that night. I, n- I never got to teach him about baptism in Jesus' name. I never got to teach him about receiving the Holy Ghost. He left and, and, and we went to the vegetable stand the next couple of days and there was no adult and I would ask for him and they would say he is very bad and, and, and I would say he's not very bad. They say muscular. I say miss muscular. He's not very bad. And, and, and about six months later, I received a, a handwritten letter in pencil. It was in very broken English to Jonathan, the best friend that I ever had because you introduced me to Jesus. Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the word of the Lord. It was four years ago. Now, Adol fled to Egypt because he was being persecuted. He had a a Bible and was becoming a Christian. It was four years ago. I'm at General Conference. Brother Gary Reed walks up to me and he said, did you teach a young man by the name of Adol a Bible study? I said, I sure did. He said, well, Adol went to Egypt. I said, yeah, I got a letter from him in Egypt. He said, well, Adol met Moklis Sedra, our missionary in Egypt. Moklis Sedra baptized him in Jesus' name. Adol received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And four years ago, Adol received his license with the United Pentecostal Church and is preaching the gospel. Faith cometh by hearing. Every man is given that measure of faith. It doesn't matter their background. It doesn't matter how misdirected it is. When the word of truth goes forth, it will quicken faith in every heart. Hallelujah. And while I'm preaching today, I believe with all of my heart, it is going to happen in you. Amen. Praise God. What used to intimidate you when you would walk into the hospital and lay your hands on somebody and pray for them knowing that it wasn't going to work because it's your prayer and it's your faith is going to change from today on because you've been given the measure of faith. Amen. Amen. And so I just want to quickly try to get through this as quick as I can. Shoot the clock. <laughs> and so I, while, uh, my goodness, I don't want to leave that out, but then I don't want to leave that out. You have to understand, my brain really works crazy. So we've discovered something. Everybody has faith. Amen. Point your finger at yourself and say, I have faith and I have enough faith. Now, is God going to give you bad faith? No, it's the father's good pleasure to do what? Give good gifts to his children. So you have enough and you have good faith. So you have faith, you have enough faith and you have good faith. Isn't that awesome? Now, sometimes our faith is misdirected and our faith is in other things. For instance, all of us know this feeling. We hear that this great evangelist that sees 
blind eyes open on a regular basis. It's coming and it's going to be within 50 miles. We're going, right? Because we need a healing. Come on, anybody been there? We, I'm, I'm going. Brother so-and-so is going to be there and I need my healing. And so we get to that service and we go straight up to that altar as soon as we have a chance and we're in the altar and he's just standing over here so we make our way over to here because we want him to lay his hand on us. If he touches us, then we know we're gonna get what we needed, right? Come on, anybody been there besides me? I told you I'm gonna make myself vulnerable to you. Everything I'm talking to you about, I've had to deal with, okay? So here we go. We got one eye open and one eye closed. Where's he at? Oh, he's over there. Right? Get out of the way. And we get our way all the way over here. Amen? And then, oh, he's over there. Oh, no. He's back there. And we chase him around the sanctuary. And then God sends this little old lady with one tooth in her head and halitosis so bad that it would knock you out. She lays her hand on you and you're like, yes. And it's, oh, why has it got to be her? And we leave disappointed because our faith is in a man. I'm being real with you. Our faith cannot be in a man. The Bible does not say have faith in a preacher. It does not say have faith in a man. It says have faith in God. Hallelujah. And so you allow your faith to be directed and you control how that plant of faith that has broken through the seed of faith is directed. You you know how to control and to guide the direction of a tomato plant, right? Sometimes you gotta tie it on here, tie it on there, make sure it's going the right direction because you wanna direct that in the the tree that's, you, you know what I'm saying. The word of God's pretty good about directing our faith. And so we have faith. It's not to be in a man. It's not to be directed towards a man. It's to be directed toward who? Another problem we have is we have faith in our faith. That's why we say our faith isn't good enough. Because our faith is in our faith. We're we're depending on our faith to be good enough. The Bible doesn't say have faith in your faith. Don't put your hope in your faith. Get rid of that thought. How many of you have ever planted a seed? Put it in the soil. It has to fall into the ground and die. Right? Your faith isn't in the seed, is it? Surely not. Your faith has to be in the life giver because that seed is going to die before it can ever bear forth fruit. So faith is not in the seed. 
it is in the creator. In the he is. Amen? Hallelujah. So like you plant the seed in the soil, you don't put your faith in the seed. You put your faith in the creator of the seed because the seed has got to die or it abideth alone. But once the seed has died, don't put your faith in the dead seed. Put your faith in the seed of the one that quickens and brings back to life. Amen? Put it in the one that brings back to life and, and speaks life into it. That's, what, that's how the seed ultimately came into existence. It was spoken into existence. And when the seed dies, hallelujah, and, and it, it hears that voice speak again, let there be life. I'm telling you that seed is gonna come to life again with the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by, everybody say the word. Faith, you've got faith, you've got good faith. Now, to every man's given the measure of faith. Was God in Christ Jesus? Was he? Was he 100% God? Was he 100% man? So, if he was 100% man and to every man is given the measure of faith, Jesus was also given the measure of faith. The scripture two occasions says we live by the faith of Jesus Christ. On two occasions it says we live by the faith of the Son of God. So the same measure that you and I have is the same measure that he has. Did he have enough? Was it good enough? Amen. We live by the same faith of Jesus Christ. You and I. It doesn't matter how good or bad you have been. We're talking about what God has given to you that you don't deserve. Faith. The trial of your faith can be a challenge. The storm that comes and aggressively attacks your faith. It's overwhelming. But if we understand what faith is and how faith operates, it will be considered, as the scripture says, precious, the trial of faith. And Sister Sanders and I felt a vision, knew that we were to go to the city of Honolulu. I can't shoot the clock. <laughs> to go to the city of Honolulu I cast my vision I stopped the service at 322 and I cast my vision to go to the city of Honolulu we were on the other side of the mountain on the windward side and I stopped the service at 322 and I said we are going to Honolulu I said God is shaking that city when I said that our building began to shake and eyeballs got like this and I know mine did and I heard brother Ben Vinoy one of our pastors say was that the air conditioner 
I said, no, that was God's exclamation point on what I just said. And we found out after the service that the, that registered 3.2 or 3.6 on the Richter scale. I forget which one it is. You can look it up. It's in the registry. Uh, and, and the epicenter of that earthquake was the city of Honolulu. That gave us earthquake faith to start our church in Honolulu. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we raised four weeks. We raised four weeks worth of, of rent at $500 an hour. Mm. Praise God. We're still in that same building. Amen. $500 an hour. We have two hour slots. Praise the Lord. And so we raised four weeks worth of, and we started our first service on Labor Day. Man, we had a great time. We were so excited to start our first service. This Holy Ghost moved. We had an awesome worship service. And, and then the next day was Labor Day holiday, Monday. And so the whole church was going to go to the beach. Palm tree swaying. It's pretty awesome. And, well, the church was there, and a, a young boy was dropped off a couple hours earlier at another beach. His name was Marcus, and, and um, he's 25 years old. He had visited our church about three times. I get a phone call before I left the house. Marcus is drowned. They estimated he was on the ocean floor up to two hours. His lungs were full of sand. And they said if he were to have lived, it would have caused his lungs to be perforated. He was brain dead. It was 45 minutes from the time I received the call to the time I got to go in to pray for him. He was dead. His father, an atheist, was already on the airplane in Washington, D.C., coming to bury his dead son in the air. That's how long he had been dead. When I walked into the hospital room, I'm going to be honest with you. My faith died. Because it was years earlier that my wife and I's oldest daughter drowned. And I prayed with everything inside of me to see that she would live. I had seen the dead raised as a child. I had seen it. I would watched it happen. For some reason, my faith wasn't good enough to see my baby live. Standing at the casket of my daughter, a man walked up to me and handed me a note. Brother Kilgore was standing beside me. Everybody needs a pastor. The note said, God is not pleased with your faith or your baby would be alive. I'll be honest with you, I'm a redneck. And I wanted to tie that dude's tail in a knot. But I handed that note to my pastor. He put his hand on my shoulder. And I knew I'm gonna be okay. Everybody needs a pastor but you're talking about a deep wound to my faith those words haunted me because my faith wasn't good enough to see my baby live and I walked into that hospital room 
All I could see in the face of Marcus was the face of my little Ashley. And I knew that if he was going to live, it would not be because of my faith. It was years later. It was 16, close to 16 years after Ashley died. And every time I have an altar call, I would pray for people. I would come back to my mind. My faith isn't good enough. God's not pleased. You see, when we feel those things, we know that it takes faith to please him. And we walk around just battered and beat down because we feel like our faith isn't good enough. We feel, and it, it, it hinders our relationship with God. Well, if my faith isn't good enough and I can't please him anyway, why don't I go ahead and do what I, 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 I am being tempted to do? Or you, you understand what I'm saying? And so people would come and pray in that haunting note and those haunting words and were like a crusty soil laid over the top of my faith. The bruise of the loss of my daughter, the wound that had happened. And I would go to pray for people and it'd come back to me. And so I crawled up to the head of this boy. I didn't want to be embarrassed. So I began to whisper in his ear what I had heard a preacher say. You shall live and not die. And so I just started whispering it. I didn't want, I mean, I have a reputation. I didn't want to stick my neck out there too far because I knew he wasn't going to live. You shall live and not die. It's all I could think of, what I heard a preacher say, and then all of a sudden it dawned on me, that's not just the words of a preacher. That comes out of the word of God. And when I realized it was the word of God, something rose up inside of me. There was something that quickened on the inside of me, that faith. And with authority, I began to say, you shall live and not die. Marcus, you shall live. And I quote another scripture. God is not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. And, and faith started coming. We had a red-headed Japanese boy and a Filipino lady at his feet. You ever seen a red-headed Japanese boy? And they're praying, man. They're, they're like, they're praying and they're praying and they're, pastor, hey, hey, something's getting ready to happen. Pastor's never done this before. Praise God. And before that atheist daddy walked off the airplane, his son was completely healed. God had raised him from the dead. Hallelujah. And in the slideshow that you saw earlier, you saw a picture of him and his atheist daddy in the altar. Now, I did not tell you that for you to think that I did it. I have tried to be completely honest with you this morning so you don't think that I have this some great power. I don't have any power of myself. It all resides in the same measure that you and I have. It's the same measure that you and I have. And it's quickened only by the word of God. So I, I don't want you to give me glory and I don't want you to think, man, he saw the dead. Oh, no, 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 no. He saw the dead raised. 
And I'm telling you that because I want you to understand when your faith you feel like is dead, it may very well be exactly where God wants it to be because faith is a seed and the seed's got to fall into the crusty soil and die. And then it relies on its creator. Amen. And I'm closing with this. And somebody better come to the piano to remind me I'm closing. (laughs) They say I should start off with I'm closing because. (laughs) Now, I talked to you about your faith. You've got good enough faith. And around this sanctuary, I I see where faith is coming to life. It's breaking through the crusty. You know what crusty soil is? It's, it's wounds, it's bruises, it's words that people have said. It's personal failures. These things just lay crusty soils over your faith and it beats you up and it beats you down and you feel like there's no hope. But when the word of God's come forth today, that's changing, isn't it? You're feeling that, that movement on the inside again. It's as if there's a sprout breaking through the crusty soil. then we feel like our prayer is just not good enough. We don't have the words. Example, I said I'm a redneck. I really am. You don't even have to slap my neck. I was raised in the hills of Brown County, Indiana. We had an outhouse. My daddy's first church that he started in Brown County, we had a wood stove, cast iron stove and we had an outhouse. Us boys would sit there and hope nobody's watching we'd spit on that stove, watch it try to shoot at the other boy shoot spit at each other across that cast iron stove. I'm a redneck My Uncle Jimmy in his 60s got baptized in Jesus name He's standing in the horse tank where we baptized him Tears are running down his face. He's just staring like he's staring at God. Just tears running down his face. My brother Jack walks up to Uncle Jimmy and says, Uncle Jimmy, just tell Jesus how you feel about him. Jimmy received the Holy Ghost in that horse tank. You see, God's not looking for fancy words. He's not looking for this. I I know what it's like to be intimidated by somebody's prayer. I I, I pray at the Capitol building. Had a lady walk up to me one time. She came up to me, Pastor Kylie, and she says, I feel like we need to pray for your ministry. I said, praise God. I appreciate that. So she takes me by the hand. Okay. And she says, you pray first. Uh, 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 uh. You know what I'm saying? Anybody been there? You know, Uh, that's all folks. And so I said, God, you see where we are in our circumstance. And 
she interrupts me. She's, oh no, you don't pray like that. You don't? She says, let me pray. Man, she cast devils out of me I didn't even know I had. She said things I didn't even know the words existed. I went home all beat up because my prayer wasn't good enough. That's why I'm going through the challenge. That's why I'm having this. No, it's not why I'm going through the challenge or the struggle. I mean, you, there were some disciples in a boat. The storm descended. You ever been there? Where you didn't see it coming in on the horizon? It just, boom! It happened. Death happens. Pain happens. The loss of a job. Just boom! It happens. Challenges come into your life. A storm just descended. Totally unexpected. I'm going to show you great faith and an incredible prayer. The faith in this story is incredible. I need get me this boy in that blue shirt. Can you help me just real quick? You've been a good boy. Okay, come here. Good enough to be Jesus? Good enough to be Jesus? Maybe I should be Jesus. Come here, man. Now, Jesus and his disciples were in that boat that the storm descended on. You don't have to lay down unless you just want to. But Jesus goes to sleep. He takes them. Hey, he did, man. Disciples are fearful for their life. Let me help you with something. Fear is not the opposite of faith. The vain imagination is the opposite of faith. The opposite of faith, vain imagination, is what brings fear. That's why we cast down imaginations and thoughts that exalt themselves against what we know about God. Amen? And so, Jesus is asleep. You ever felt like God's asleep in your boat? Thanks, God. You know, the storm's raging. They're fearful for their life. The boat's about to break in two. Here's faith in the midst of fear. Where's Jesus? They start looking for him, right? And then they pursued him and stirred him. And woke him. Hey, Jesus. Now listen to this magnificent prayer. Master, Luke. This is in Luke. Master. Ready? This is, this is faith. A prayer of faith. Master, we perish. That's faith. faith in what we can do and what we think and what we master we perish was an approach and a pursuit of him now notice if I say I perish but if I say we 
Jesus. You're in the same boat, dude. I don't even know if you can make it through the storm. Thank you, Jesus. And you do a great job. I don't even know if you can make it through this storm. And on a we perish prayer, Jesus speaks to the winds and the waves and they obey him. Let's stand. Faith, it's impossible to please him. In fact, he that cometh to God must believe that he is. I ask you a question. Do you believe he is? If you believe he is, that gives you access to him. That means you can come to him. You can pursue him. Our problem is that we think we have to believe that he is going to reward us or we won't get rewarded in our pursuit of him. If you see a word italicized in your Bible, it means it was added to try to define the scripture more clearly, right? There's a word in this verse that's italicized and it's the word that. Can it go up there? The word that is italicized. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of him that diligently seeks him. Them that diligently seek him. He, if you take out the word that right there, it says he and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You don't have to believe he's a rewarder. He is a rewarder of the seeker. So faith is believing he is. He rewards those that pursue him and stir him and wake him. And if all you've got to come across your vocal cords is a master, we perish prayer. He'll reward you for your pursuit of him. Right where you're standing, would you lift your hands? Faith has come to your heart. You've been through challenges in your faith. Overwhelming circumstances that bruised you. Things that have tried to manipulate your faith. Caused you to question even your relationship with God. Abuse. Words and feel like you're not good enough but God has spoken his word to you and I'm going to ask you to just for a few minutes in an act of pursuit in an act of finding him in your boat somewhere would you step out of your seat and join me in this altar area and let's just pursue him for a few moments would you do that right now would you come and I know the Lord has talked to you. And I'm looking at different ones that God has de- 
is dealing with, I in no way will embarrass you. I'm a pastor. I never embarrass you. But I do want you to understand, God has brought back to life faith where you felt like it was dead. Would you lift your heart and your hands to Him right now? And let's just give an honest expression from your heart to His. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.